It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Bear Boat Alaska, a pure DIY hunting game with one of their 37-foot adventure yachts. You and five of your friends can hunt, fish, set crab pots, shrimp pots, and take DIY to the next level. Bear Boat Alaska is locally owned by a Ketchikan resident who lives here year-round. Call Larry at 907-617-4542 or go to bearboatalaska.com. That's B-A-R-E boatalaska.com and tell Larry you heard about it on this podcast. Casey McConnell, welcome to the podcast. Hey, good to be here. So we're enjoying the last minutes of, uh, of sunlight uh, here in southeast Alaska. You're a little bit uh, further north in, a, in the rugged uh, northern section of, southern south, of southeast Alaska. Uh, how do you cope with the sun when it sets so much earlier? That's uh, it, a tough one. I just, I don't know, <laughs> think about sunnier times. It's kind of the, it's what you have to endure in order to live here. So it's not, I mean, it sometimes feels like it compiles and the years kind of stack on each other, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's better than traffic. It's better than pollution. It's better than a lot of those other alternatives that people have to deal with if, if uh, you're living down South or in a different area. Yeah, for sure. I'll probably get South for a, a few weeks or maybe a month or so a little bit later and get some real sunshine, but um, yeah, definitely got to think of all the positives. So what, what what are the positives right now? We still got uh, deer season going on. What, uh, what are you looking at? Um, yeah, this weekend looks like it's two foot or less. So I'm going to hopefully go out and troll for a King. I might spend the night on the boat and go, go hunt in a few different places that hopefully not too many people have been yet. Yeah. That's a, such a tough one. And up there, you don't have much of a road system at all. Prince of Wales has an extensive road system, so it's, it gets hammered. All the easy spots are definitely picked through. Ketchikan has a little bit of a road system. Um, but up there, you don't have much of anything. So if you don't have a boat, you're in kind of trouble, right? There's actually a pretty good road system here on northern Chichigoff. There's, um, you could go about... 30 miles one way, maybe about f- almost 40 miles the other direction. Uh, with so you're talking like, like uh, logging road type, uh, type trails type stuff. Yeah. The problem is if we get a lot of snow, you'll get condensed and blocked into just a few areas, and then everyone's hammering that real, real yeah. hard. Yeah. That's, uh, there, there's, some, there's some stuff that's under construction here in the Ketchikan area. So there are some roads that uh, you could drive to if the gate was open, if the weather was good, and that makes it pretty tough. Um, but, yeah, getting away from people is the key. What kind of boat you got? Uh, I have a 22-foot Tolman skiff, which is a stitching glue plywood boat. It's uh, My uncle built it in Glen Allen and used it up there for a few years, and then I've commandeered it and turned it into a saltwater boat. Nice. 
Nice. How far are your runs to not to be too revealing about some of your spots, but are you making long runs across icy or are you able to kind of pick it, pick around some of the areas just, uh, just around close? Uh, we have Port Frederick. That's about 18 miles to the head, uh, which is fairly protected. So even on days where icy straight's pretty rough, it can be nice and calm on the insides. Uh, but then from, if I go out into icy straits, generally stay on the Chichigoff shoreline. Mm-hmm. And so maybe 10 miles each way or, or 15 miles each way. Yeah. What's the traffic like? Cause you're not too far from Juno. Do you get a bunch of boats coming in from over there? If they do come over, it's pretty short or they'll stay at like the eight fathom bite dock cabin. Mm. Um, or they come over on the ferry, like just put okay. their boat on the trailer. Just because yeah. Eastern Icy Straits and Lynn Canal can get can get so um, dicey this time of year. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, the pressure thing is such a a difficult thing to you know come to terms with. As hunters, we want to support <laughs> each other. It's fun to share things. It's fun to you know talk with and encourage people. Uh, online, you know, you have a YouTube channel, I have a YouTube channel, but at the same time, we don't want people in our exact spots and it makes it kind of tough. So how do you kind of come to terms with being a local here and sharing, but not oversharing to the point where you're crowding yourself out? Yeah, I definitely don't post everything. That's one thing, but one of those like pluses about living here is that even crowded for us is not nearly crowded for anywhere else so Mm -hmm. the competition or the pressure even though i might perceive it as like high in in the grand scheme of things pretty low still Mm -hmm. um and i mean i've made some mountain hunting videos and a lot of people can figure out exactly where those are and i don't really mind because you know you you can't shoot the deer i already shot and good luck getting up there you know they still got to put in the the work yeah most of the time the people who are going to figure that out are people who probably know about it anyway and like you said the deer is already shot like someone from down in 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 wyoming isn't going to watch that video and then go on to on x or go hunt and be able to figure out exactly where it is that's just not going to be reasonable and then like you said like how are you even going to get up there the logistical concerns keep it pretty safe anyway yeah and I'm not the first person to find any of these spots either. There's, yeah. you know, uh, oh, guys that are the, you know, half generation above me have, have watched those videos and said, oh, yeah, we used to go back up there this way. And they'd tell me the route that they used to get up there, which, you know, maybe now is all brushed in and terrible and I'm going a different way. Yeah. It's um, interesting to think about how things have evolved. I know some of the best spots to hunt uh, are clear cuts and that works for you know you got your sweet spot a couple years after it's been logged but then when it grows back that second growth just chokes everything out and you know it becomes horrible habitat for hunting could be great for deer but just horrible to be able to see through and so you have to find the next clear cut Uh, access points up roads looking at logging roads to get you as as close to the alpine as possible those get water barred those get washed out so it's interesting to see how things evolve do you uh you follow Tyler Friel? Um, a little bit. I kind of knew him the tiny bit when I was lived in Fairbanks uh, growing up. Uh-huh. Um, my brother and I went to school up there. My parents okay. were teachers in Fairbanks. 
Do you see? I, I follow along a little bit. Yeah, you see some of his uh, old footage of his uh, dad hunting moose. I think it's his dad, maybe his grandpa. Uh, maybe not. I, I've. I think the only last thing that I saw, he was um, maybe hunting with a longbow, but I don't yeah. know. That was a couple of years ago. Yeah, he had some. Uh, he had some footage of family hunting at the bus, the Chris McCandless bus, that old uh, Fairbanks Transit 142, uh-huh. and how it used to be. You know. Where, where moose hunters would go and they'd stay or hunters would, would use that as, as a shelter. Um, and then of course it became the bus, the magic bus, the whatever, but it's really interesting to see some of that vintage footage and looking at the gear is one thing that obviously you got the grainy videos and you got, you know, tons of, of moose and, and just the, the resources is crazy, but also the gear. Yeah. I can't, uh, I can't fathom doing some of the hunts that I do now with the gear from the seventies and eighties and even into the nineties. Yeah. What, what do you, uh, what do you wear? And then how did you come about it? Cause there's not really the opportunity for us to just go in. I guess you could go to sportsman's and Juno and try some stuff on, but, um, obviously not in Huna you're not. So how did you get the stuff that you are wearing? Uh, I just, uh, initially i think i bought sitka gear just online um i think or maybe i got it in a store but basically all i run are rain pant shells over leggings um and even in the summer i'll just unzip them and in the winter maybe a thicker layer or two pairs of leggings like fleece or something mm-hmm. um but yeah i've set some stuff back that was too big or too small just kind of the get the feel of it yeah so you wear <laughs> what brand do you wear for the uh um rain gear i've gone to kuyu now why is so, that why why did you uh, was it a big change where you were officially changing from sitka to kuyu what was the no it was just my sitka gear was starting to wear out and the internal lining was coming off and mm. I decided to just try something different and liked it. Yeah. And I've I don't gone, think, yeah. I don't think you can necessarily go wrong, especially in comparison to the old days, but the conditions up here are brutal because you're, it's not just the brushiness <clears throat> and whatnot. It's the dry, the wet and dry cycle. You are soaking wet and then dry and then soaking wet and dry. And that's really, really tough on, on whatever gear it is that you're, that you're using. Oh yeah. Like I've, um, destroyed some hiking boots by just stepping off of a raft, you know, and getting onto the beach and getting salt water on your boots and then drying and then getting fresh water and then drying and then getting salt water and then drying. I think that just really tears through those, uh, the membrane. Yeah. So now I'll just wear extra tufts to and from shore and then lace up once I get on the beach and above the tide line. Mm-hmm. And that seems to prolong the life of at least the boots. But yeah, it's, it's tough on, on everything. Yeah. It's uh, to, to say that something fails is very, very relative. And when they, when whatever company comes out with some brand new, really expensive technology, I'm like, okay, that's nice. But if I want to be waterproof, I got to wear the Grundens because the Grundens, I mean, you're going to sweat, but at least you're going to be dry from its heat or its condensation. 
it's not soaked from the outside. If you're soaked from the outside, that's a different wet, and you're not going to dry that out. If you stop walking when you've been in Grundens for a little bit, if you're in the bibs and the, and the jacket, you stop walking, you get a little vented air, you're going to be dry again. But if you're soaked because the membrane or whatever breaks down, then you're, you're, it's your toast. Yeah, <laughs> if there's more humidity on the inside than the outside, you just, you just can't, can't overcome that. Yeah. Did you ever I've, wear Grunin's bibs or anything like that? Uh, very rarely. I've actually, instead of wearing Grunin's bibs, I'll wear my Sims waders. Oh, yeah. Um, and I don't know if that's actually better or not, but they're lighter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the commercial grade or that, uh, what's their, their Hercules or whatever, that's a real thick, that's a super aggressive you know, crab boat type thing. So there's some lighter ones that aren't as bad, but yeah, you're, the waders aren't going to breathe. You'll get the condensation, but you know, you sit for a little bit, some of that stuff will evaporate and you'll be, you'll be dry and you don't have to worry about where you sit or if you need to put your knee into the side of a hill to get up, it's so much nicer. If you do that with Gore-Tex pants, it's, you're, you're wet. Yeah. And actually I do, I did wear my rubber gear the other day and i've got this stuff that's a knockoff brand um let me see here it's called granite gear granite with a y oh. uh and it was like 20 bucks for a top and a 20 bucks for a bottom and it's fairly lightweight and it stretches a little bit it's definitely not what i wear if i was going to be like crabbing or anything but it, it's pretty good for hiking around mm -hmm. and um you know, it's only 20 bucks. So if it fails, I could get four more pairs for the price of, you know, Grundens. Yeah. And it's not the frog tog 20 bucks. I had some buddies that came up here to fish in the frog tog and it was just, Oh, that stuff uh, like shreds. Yeah. It, it, I think <laughs> the expensive type stuff is real, but the, the, the inexpensive frog tog stuff is just one small step up from the, those the clear pot ponchos that uh that uh, the tourists wear yeah what else is like an indispensable gear i'm kind of in in gear mode right now i usually spend money on new gear in february when not a whole lot's going on you got steelhead season but um so i'm looking at stuff and looking at shopping but there's been a lot of deals that i've been looking at because we got black friday coming up um shortly so uh what, what are some indispensable southeast alaska products that uh that you think are well indispensable um well i know you and i talked briefly about hot tents a while ago <laughs> that i'm a convert on that oh man uh, just because everything is so wet you either have to carry all your dry spares or you can carry a hot tent and then everyone can get dry um so when I did the Edelin Island elk hunt, that was a game changer. We weathered two atmospheric rivers in it, and it was great. Yeah. Um, Spending the hours in there, I, I, I'm sure you've been in more than uh, one small tent where everything is wet and you're just waiting out the weather, being able to wait it out. And it gives you something to do, too. You're, you're sawing the wood, chopping the wood, whatever. You're feeding the fire. It's just a, a huge mental and a yeah. release or just it's so much better to kill the time doing that oh yeah and we got back to the boat or the beach where we we're gonna get picked up early and we set that up and created a sauna and 
just took a hot, you know, took a sauna in the hot tent. It was fantastic. Which one do you have? I've got the, oh, I can't remember. Peak, uh, or seek outside Cimarron, I think, okay. or red. No, it's a red cliff, the bigger one. Okay. Nice. So, so four people can sleep in it, uh, or like two is a palace with the stove. Um, if the stove is in there, four people are, have a difficult time laying down around it. Mm-hmm. I saw a knockoff brand and I thought if you're going to make a hot tent, you have to do that correctly. Because if you if you skimp on some material that is uh, going to ignite, that's uh, that's not good. I, I'm not I'm not sure a twenty dollar hot tent is a good route to go. So that's something you definitely got to pay for. It's it's either going to leak or catch on fire, and those are things that you can't have happen. Yeah, without a shelter, you're screwed. <laughs> have you been in? Uh, what about like safety type stuff? Whenever I go to shore, I like to take a. Um, a dry bag with just an extra pair of socks, some extra fire making material. Cause everything gets so wet. It's impossible to really make a fire. Um, yeah. and just some other kind of goodies to, to bring to shore. Um, I have an in reach. It was, it's an old one from when, when it, uh, was Delorme. Um, what are some, some things that you take with you for safety? Um, I've got a full set of puffy pants and a down jacket and then I, I'll bring a full set of rain gear separate. Mm-hmm. Um, Is, are they, are they Kuyu puffy? Uh, I've got the stone glacier ones. Oh, how do you like those? The puffy pants are the cat's meow. Those, I brought those <laughs> on a, on a sheep hunt and that was like our evening treat was to sit down and wear puffy pants around camp. <clears throat> After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by big wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I first heard that Mint Mobile offers premium wireless starting at just 15 bucks a month, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them and using their service, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they're the first company to sell wireless service online only. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. For anyone who hates their phone bill, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. I was hesitant about having to get a new phone and a new phone number, but with Mint, you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone and your same phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Mint Mobile gives you the best rate whether you're buying for one or for a family, and at Mint, families start at two lines. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and to get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash waypoint. That is mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash waypoint. I got some bargain old ones that are Sitka, and I, I've, I hate using the term game changer, but it's so nice to be able to, to just be warm in those evenings when you're glassing, but you just can't get wet and you can't walk through brush that, but that's not what they're meant for. You got to use the appropriate use for them, but it's nice also if you're just kind of sitting around and it is chilly, you can put them in there and stay warm. Yeah. 
I was wearing my um, just my Crocs, which with a waterproof sock, and that is kind of loose and lets my feet dry out pretty good. That was a, a pretty nice little thing. And then and, uh, my Crocs are not true Crocs. They're made by uh, Vivo Barefoot, and they're even lighter weight than Crocs. Oh. So that that was pretty nice to have on the on the sheep hunt um, and around camp too. I'm just looking through some gear here that was I'm kind of in my gear shed right now. <laughs> um, I always bring the jet boil ashore mm. and and a couple mountain house just because even if I'm just waiting for someone else to get out of the woods, it's just nice to just fire one up and eat it. Mm-hmm. What's the um, jet boil? Um do you have i've got uh it's in the boat right now but it's the um it's not the flash one it's like the oh gosh i can't remember now it's the little square one the mini sumo or something i think yeah those are those are awesome i I have a couple buddies that have msr ones uh pocket rocket whatnot but those little stoves are great you just absolutely have to have them with you but the jet boil is just such a a nice easy convenient uh one to use yeah it's the mini mo i've got um i've got those pocket rockets and i have this old titanium stove that is made by a company called ola camp i think then they had gone out of business I got one on eBay. Uh, that one's pretty nice. It has a little pose and a stand, and the, the tank is off to the side, mm. and you can get it nice and low to the ground. That is, it was pretty sweet. I took that on a sheep hunt in 2015. Mm. Or, How often do you turn over your gear? You mentioned that you went from Sitka to Kuyu. Is it just when stuff wears out or do you kind of look at your jet boil stuff and think, oh, you know, this is fine. This works, but I'm really intrigued by this. How often do you get caught up in, in newer and better and let's, let's buy this thing? Uh, I basically run it till it breaks or if I don't like it, then I'll just get something new. But if I like something, I'll just keep work, keep using it. Mm -hmm. Um, I did get Kuyu came out with a super lightweight rain gear and then they discontinued it and I had grabbed a pair um, and it's lighter than any of the stuff they currently make and I'm going to keep a hold of it. It's great as like a backup set. Yeah, it's good um, to have that stuff. Yeah, so I, I took that on a goat hunt as just my backup rain gear. Uh-huh. How does your gear vary from hunt? You've done uh, obviously blacktail, mountain goat, sheep, moose. Uh, are there some consistent things no matter what you're hunting, where you're going? Or is it kind of like a, you know, almost have a separate thing for each hunt? No, I pretty much wear the same stuff. Uh, I've got the Chugach pants and top um, for the rain gear. And then I've got some sort of uh oh it says attack pro on it those are the kind of my pants that i'll wear if it's going to be really dry because they're just uh it just has a water resistant barrier not a actual membrane Mm -hmm. um and those have some pockets and they're a little heavier so if i'm going to do a mountain hunt i'm just going to wear the lightest um 
and I wore, I guess I wore these attack pro ones or whatever, uh, checker hunting and, and, uh, quail hunting a few years ago. That, that was pretty good for that. Cause it's dry, very dry down there. I really like that. Uh, a couple of buddies of mine have the attack pants and being able to vent on the side is really awesome. Uh, because there's the mesh in there. Mm-hmm. And so when you open up, you're not being, you're not putting yourself at uh, mosquito risk. I have the Stone Glacier de Havilland pants that you can zip down, which uh-huh. is great. But if you don't have the mesh, then you know you're venting heat, but you're inviting bugs in, and that's uh, that's not great. <laughs> How much blood do you want to give away? Yeah. What about uh, footwear and socks and uh, whatnot? I found with the mountain hunting, I go obviously with my boots, but there are times when. I use a lot more of the Grundon's boots when I'm doing some of the rut hunts around here to keep the feet dry. Sometimes I'll run uh, boots with um, gaiters and then the uh, Grundon's bibs. What about that? Um, I I have had terrible problems with just my feet being sore and rubber boots and extra tufts. Uh, I haven't tried like the muck boots or, or those Grundon's, but... I just go back to my Tibet Pro by Loa. Um, and this time of year when it's really wet, I'll continuously spray them or seal skin them every couple of days or every couple of uses. Mm-hmm. And then I wear a like smart wool liner sock and then seal skins waterproof sock. And so far my feet have not suffered um, because of wetness or chafing or blistering or anything in the, in the boot. That was nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's an accepted level of misery and it's, if you expect it, it makes it a lot easier when it happens. If you think that you're going to be dry and comfortable and then you're not, all of a sudden you're kind of on a, it's, you the clock is, is ticking against you, but if you kind of know that you set yourself up as good as you possibly can, knowing that there's a, there's a good chance that it's going to fail. I think that's kind of a good mindset to maybe have that you're not immune to bad things happening. You're not immune to cold or wetness creeping in. Yeah. If you're ready for it, it definitely doesn't affect you as much. I just can't. Sorry, go ahead. No, I, I just can't stand like cold hands or cold feet. After after a little while of either one of those, I'm I'm done. Yeah, I have a box of those hot hands uh, by the door. So every time we leave, just grab a couple of those, and uh, they're great. But you know, people talk about how you could put them in your boots and they're going to dry out your boots, and they will if it's condensation that's got your feet wet. But if your boots are soaked through or your socks are soaked through. Those things are not going to dry anything out. Oh, yeah. They're awesome they're... to have, but once they're wet, like it's, they're not going to do what you want them to do. So if you're counting on starting, starting fresh and anew in the morning because you put those in your boots, it's not going to happen. Yeah, definitely. They're, they won't. Uh, <laughs> there's no BTUs in there. <laughs> so what's your, favorite, uh, what's your favorite hunt? I'm assuming it's going to be one that puts you pretty close to the misery level. The my favorite hunt that I've done, or mm-hmm. yeah, let's go favorite hunt, um, and then hunt that you want to do. Uh, well, in twenty twenty, I did a fourteen day sheep hunt in the Brooks, which ended kind of in a heartbreak of 
got close to the Rams and then it was, they were seven years old and 15 sixteenths curl, not, oh. not legal. And that was the hundredth mile and 20,000th foot climbed. Jeez. Uh, it's just like, okay, we're done. But up until that point was super fun. Um, and I've done a few trips down to Prince of Wales that have been very fun uh, deer hunting as well. Yeah. On that sheep hunt, were you with someone who was used to gauging sheep? Um, how was that? No, uh, I don't think Ben was my hunting partner for that one. He was a teacher here and he had never seen a doll sheep before. Oh, um, so I had gone on one previous sheep hunt and got to see several rams and was able to judge them. Basically just looked at a bunch of pictures, looked at a bunch of videos and, you know, decided to, I wanted a ram that was going to be legal plus a little bit just to give me a little buffer. Mm -hmm. And the ones that we found were not, not quite. Yeah, I think that's huge to be able to, if you've been up through the Brooks Range once, because it's just this kind of menacing thing up there. It's the Brooks, you know, it's it's the top of Alaska. And if you've never been on a sheep hunt, not really knowing what to expect and how to gauge and how to measure and what to look for and, and the angles and things like that, I think would be really difficult to do. So I've only been up and over the Brooks to go on a caribou hunt, but I've never been on a sheep hunt. So I think it'd be really tough to you know, put yourself in that position and then good on you for judging that uh, they're pretty close, but I'm not going to risk it because I think some people might get the, well, I'm owed this because, you know, I put in all this time and all this whatever. And so, you know, you start to look for what you wish was there rather than what's actually there. Yeah. We, uh, I took some pictures and video and sent it to a a guide and a state trooper and they both said the same thing. So I was glad that we didn't shoot anything. Yeah, for sure. Did you do a fly out or were you off the road? Uh, we hiked off the road. Yeah. <laughs> it, seeing some of those areas, man, it was, it was pretty intense to imagine how you would actually get up that you can do all the e-scouting you want i did quite a bit of it because my buddy and i were planning on if we're going to go caribou if we're going to go dull sheep and you know just looking at stuff looking at stuff and says oh yeah you could probably get up here and probably get up here but when you look at some of those areas you think there's no it's impossible no one could could get up there and so when you're looking at the bottom there trying to find a line to be able to access that and um seems pretty it's it's doable but pretty pretty tough what was the the difference between expectation and reality when you got up there and saw what you had scouted um i basically well yeah there was some pretty intimidating stuff and we climbed some stuff that i didn't think we were going to climb for looking at it from across the valley I was like, well, we'll just have to pick our way around that or go way up and around. And we ended up just going straight up it. Um, <laughs> coming down was worse. <clears throat> mm. uh, but I, as far as mountains go, the Brooks Range, I think, is pretty tame. Um, I mean, most of the mountains, that, even though it was rugged and nasty, it's easier to climb than some of the ones around here. 
Yeah, I did. I did see some of that. That. Um, yeah, I didn't. I don't know if it's if it, there's just just the ex- expectation. If you think Brooks Range, I mean, that's sheep country. That's you know the north. Everything is just more extreme up there. But southeast with these glacial carved areas, there's so many of those monolithic faces and you're picking your way through sheer cliffs whereas you might have a lot of scree and might have some definite sharp uh, areas up in the brooks they're not Mm -hmm. it's not like hiking in the appalachian mountains or anything yeah yeah there's definitely places on the southeast mainland that are are completely impassable for miles and miles that it's just no-go zones well even uh Chichagov and uh Baranov, like uh though that that almost looks like an extension of mainland it just comes down there and i mean it looks like it's just all glacier bay almost there's there's kind of a gentle taper i guess but that's some real rugged stuff especially Chichagov. yeah there's a little spine on the kind of outside of Chichagov, um like between pelican and um Elfin Cove, or yeah, between Pelican and Elfin Cove, and um, down towards Tenneke, that's pretty gnarly. Mm-hmm. I think it's just because there's a lot of exposed rock and not a lot of understory or timber. Yeah, that exposed rock is kind of your. You look at that, and that can be kind of the intimidating thing. But like, you don't have to climb up that. Like, we're going around that. That's not. That's not a big deal. It's you're gonna be fine. Yeah. Well, when the sheep are trying to go in spots like that. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's how they get safe. Yeah, yeah. So I'd like to at some point definitely go on a on a sheep hunt. It's just a matter of of where. Uh, what about uh, the hunt that you do want to go on that you haven't gone? Um, well, I'm planning another sheep hunt for this coming summer. Um, I've been applying for a couple tags, sheep tags, for a long time. I probably will never draw them, but that's fine. <laughs> of course. Um, the one hunt that I want to do is elk uh, during the like bugle down in, in somewhere in the lower 48, yeah. uh, which is why I got into bow hunting. It's Cause that's kind of the, the season for that. Yeah. That's a lot of fun. That's what I want to do next year. I've been getting buying points in Wyoming. And when my wife was down there getting her PhD, we did, uh, did a couple hunts last year. I went down there in late September and we kind of missed the rut, which is too bad. She went out there by herself, and she heard him bugling at night, and then a couple times during the day, and she called one in, but just wasn't able to get a good shot. So I thought, oh, this is gonna be perfect. I'm gonna go down there. I'll set up my set up behind. I will call one in for her, and she's gonna get it with a bow. It's gonna be perfect. But there had been so much pressure that they had gone silent, and I thought, gosh, dang it. So we had we had two encounters. Um, but I, they'd gone quiet. So we had no idea where they were. We couldn't locate. There was nothing going on at night, but, uh, the previous year I'd been down there and here in bugle at night, it's just, a, it's unlike any, it's everything that people talk about when they say there's nothing like an, an elk bugle. I'm like, yeah, that's true. There's also nothing like, you know, a mountain goat hunt, but yeah, that, that, that's a whole different program and that's a whole lot of fun, but planning that right in the archery, uh, season when you can get them coming in, that's, uh. That's awesome. I'm I'm excited to hopefully spend my tag and do that hunt. Yeah, I've I've got three points now for Wyoming. Oh, excellent. So. That's good. Yeah, it, it's people talk about premium tags and and 
you know, saving up for points to get a really good spot. But man, if you can just get a, an opportunity, just go down there and experience it. I mean, it's it's pretty expensive. You don't want to just blow it on on anything. But you know, if you're going to go down there and you're going to do the hunt right and make it get your money's worth, then and shoot, just get yourself the opportunity rather than try to wait ten years for the perfect uh, perfect thing or, or draw the perfect tag. Yeah, I'd rather do two two hunts in ten years than one hunt. Exactly. For sure. <clears throat> yeah. What else uh, are you looking forward to? Um, I am going to try to do some more goat hunting on the mainland next summer too. Um, I've been pounding the alpine around here pretty hard for deer um, with my bow, and it's been a, a struggle. Uh, and I think next summer I'm going to shift gears a little bit and just – try something different probably not with my bow i'll, I'll rifle hunt for goats mm-hmm. you've gotten a couple with your uh, rifle right one so far okay mm-hmm. yeah it's a lot of fun it's good to have that mixed bag in the freezer when you got uh different experiences but it's it's hard too sometimes i i didn't get uh i didn't get my first deer this year until two weeks ago because I spent the opener in the first 10 days of the hunting season up uh, hunting caribou. And so that's why I don't have, I didn't get that awesome alpine deer experience that I love because I was up caribou hunting. And you don't want to switch, you know, and I certainly don't regret doing the caribou, but man, there's, you only have kind of one season and sometimes they overlap and you have to make choices. It's like a, a great decision or an awesome decision, but uh, yeah, yeah, we're pretty lucky. <laughs> Yeah, August and September go by too fast. There's not enough, not enough days in the week. Yeah, yeah. I, I, go ahead. Oh, I traded my, I guess, first right of refusal to my friends. I took a guy that had never gone hunting before, and his uh, partner and their niece, and then um, another buddy came up, uh, a former grad student. Uh, that lives in Washington. He came up and then basically tried to get them deer for the first couple times. Um, <laughs> I didn't shoot my first buck this year till this past Friday, so just a couple mm. days ago. <laughs> it's it's funny how that happens, but you know it just does happen. Mm-hmm. And it's what do you do? The only thing the, the only thing you should really regret would be that if you didn't hunt for some ridiculous reason. Which is probably uh, not going to happen, so you don't. You can't really worry about it. You make your choices and you live with them. Yeah, I traded October uh, hunting for and October fishing and duck hunting for uh, moose hunt in Fairbanks, and then <laughs> winter king fishing in Homer. So that was a good trade, but a trade. Yeah. Was that Fairbanks hunting over the counter? Or was it a draw? That was a draw. Uh, antlerless archery tag. Nice. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of good hunts, hunt opportunities, I guess I should say. Um, Have you already put in your stuff for the draw? No. (laughs) Uh, I've talked to a couple buddies and trying to figure out what they're doing and what I have time for. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll I'll keep applying for my sheep spots. And then um, I don't think I'm going to apply for any moose or or anything else. I still have moose from 2021 uh, in the freezer. Now I have part of a moose from 2022. Um, I don't know. Yeah. 
it's tough to gauge that because you could spend the money that you would on some sort of fly out or some sort of exotic other trip. Uh, not that Wyoming is necessarily exotic, but you could spend that money on an over-the-counter Alaska hunt. Oh, yeah. Or you could try to do something else. And so if you don't really win the draw, it doesn't really matter a whole lot. If you drew a doll sheep tag, then you, of course, do what you need to do to make that happen. But if you don't draw it, you could then spend that money on a really good over-the-counter something else uh, in Southeast or another different experience, which would be that's, – that's all good. I think my problem this year is going to be deciding what to prioritize as far as that Wyoming hunt. Am I going to put in for – some awesome draws because I won't find out about them until I have to decide if I want to prioritize elk because the mm -hmm. elk application closes before we get results from the Alaska tag. So I don't, I probably won't be able to do both. So, um, we'll kind of see. Yeah. I, like I'm fortunate in that my work window kind of closes mid September and then I have all late fall to do whatever. And it, in reality, I can kind of block off days here and there in the summer as well if I need to. Yeah. So more time off. <laughs> more time off you have, the easier it is to spend money. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem is when money goes out <laughs> instead of coming in. And yeah. It can go out really fast. Yeah. Well, uh, what else you got, man? We've been uh, rapping for a little bit here. What, um, as far as maybe recommendations or anything, um, what does northern southeast Alaska have that I'm missing out on down here in southern southeast Alaska? Mm, I don't know. The grass is always greener. <laughs> I always wish uh, we had a winter steelhead mm. um, or a fall steelhead. We don't really have that. Um I guess if you like brown bear hunting, there's brown bear hunting here. They're still awake. Um, yeah, I saw that picture you posted uh, on Instagram. That was a. Uh... Yeah, I checked out that spot yesterday to to see if there was any people tracks into it, and there wasn't. So I was like, great, I'll go there first thing in the morning, hunt for a few hours, and then be able to get back for a little bit of afternoon work and uh, phone call with you. And I got there and there was fresh, fresh bear, tra bear tracks of a big one. Hmm. Uh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you have uh, run-ins at all? Are there is is the population quality and steady, or is the population getting a little bit uh, high? Where, where where are you at with that? It seems like there's a lot. Uh, I haven't had any issues with them this year or or in the last few years, but. People have been seeing them, and they're on the roads, um, mm. and they're still cruising. Hmm. That is such a nice thing on a, a lot of the hunts that uh, we don't do down here for deer is that we don't have the brown bears, and it's just nice to you make your camp. You know, you set your set your meat off to the side there, but you're not worried about electric fences. You're not worried about a lot of the things that you would be if you were in brown bear territory. Yeah. Like we don't even call, I won't blow a deer call for probably more than seven or eight minutes. Um, I know some, there's a whole, there's pages and pages on the four hunting forums of how long to call deer and stuff, but I'd get pretty nervous calling for more than 10 minutes. Yeah. 
No, actually, that would kind of fit my. I'm, I'm a. I move probably a little bit too fast, too quick. I'm a 15 to 20 minute, and then I'm gone to the next spot. So, I would really love that as an excuse to. I'm just hunting the right program, but yeah, that's because of bears, <laughs> not because of impatience. Yeah, I'm. I'm not very patient either, so it works for me too. It's just hard to be. I, there's. You're, if you're in one of those areas that you chose, you chose it because it looks like a good spot. So if there's nothing there, you know, moving and seeing it from different angles and see if you actually got something up moving around that didn't necessarily come running in. Uh, that's just kind of always where my brain goes rather than be patient, have it come all the way in. I'm thinking, man, the other side of this or in between this little area here on the edge of the timber, those sort of areas really start looking good. And I think, man, I got to, I got to get up and walk through this. Cause if I got something up and it didn't come all the way in or, I, I just, my brain goes right there and I'm up within 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. It might be moving and you can see it now or something, or maybe, maybe the deer came in halfway and then wouldn't commit. And, but now it's in your zone. Yeah. Hard to say. Uh, I had a buddy who put a GoPro on uh, his downrigger and was watching how many King salmon would, would show up close to the bait and just not take and not take. And so, you know, you're trolling and you're thinking, oh, there's nothing here. They're not biting, man. But there are so many things that look at it. You just wonder how many eyes of deer you're missing because they don't quite come clear. They can't quite see or, you know, they just hang up for whatever reason. And kind of goes back to that patience thing, man. If I would have waited 10 more minutes, it would have been there. But you keep doing that, all of a sudden you don't go anywhere else. And had you gone somewhere else, then you would have picked one up. But I don't know. That's hunting, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I've done the GoPro thing too. It was disheartening. <laughs> it was depressing. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I don't want to know. I just want to think, you know, I'm making the right call. This is a decision. I got to live with it rather than have the results of my of my impatience. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All right, man. It was great, uh, great talking with you. Where can people find your uh, your YouTube channel and Instagram and all that stuff? Uh, my YouTube, I think, is Tideline to Alpine, all one word. There's a like a van life person that has the same name <laughs> with oh, spaces, nice. uh, and then uh, Casey underscore fishes or Casey dot fishes on Instagram. Nice. And then you have a link to your YouTube channel from there. So in case they can't find the YouTube, they can go to your Instagram and they can go from there. Oh yeah. Yeah, I guess it is. Excellent. Yeah. Thanks man. Good talking with you. Um, good luck with the rest of the season. Um, have fun. Yeah. I'll let you know how tomorrow goes. Um, try a different place that doesn't have as much bear activity. <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. Good luck, man. All right. Thanks. All right. See you. Yeah.